Yeah. Consider this question. Hmm. Consider this question. Consider this question. Consider this question. Consider this question. The conversation you're about to listen to was recorded on Tuesday, May 26th. Ryan Vincent facilitated the conversation that included Jim Johnson, Rebecca Moyers, and Scott Irwin. They spent time reflecting on their experience in various churches and talking about how to recognize when a church has a healthy culture. We think you'll find it stimulating, and we hope you enjoy it. Okay, welcome to episode four of our new podcast called Consider This Question. Uh, I'm sure Steve has introduced everybody to you, but I am here with Jim, Scott, and Rebecca, and we're going to be dealing with the question, um, series of questions, what is church health? How can you determine whether or not a church is healthy? And then um, I, I will finish with what does Sunnybrook look like uh, based on what we've discussed? So. I want to before we before we jump into trying to sort out um, how to measure the health of a church. I'd like to even to, uh, first throw it up to kind of all of you guys. What do we mean when we say a church is healthy? A church is healthy. Um, I think you know a church that understands their mission, understands what they're doing. Um, we talk about integrated faith with our college students, and I think a church that experiences, that has integrated faith in, in, in holistically, a church that lives what they believe. And so that would be my first kind of big picture understanding of church health as a church that lives out what they believe, what, what the Bible says, how they're supposed to live, how they're supposed to interact in the community, how they're supposed to teach about Jesus, um, how they're supposed to love each other. Um, how they're supposed to lead, how they're supposed to serve, how they're, you know, all those things. And so integrated faith as a church, you know, missional community. Okay. I think to add to that, something that you said was just what the Bible says. I think the Bible gives us a clear picture of um, what it expects from leaders and even us as followers of Jesus. And there's a, a difference between following what the Bible says and that being healthy, and then just kind of doing church the way that we think it should be done. You know, and we'll probably talk a lot about tradition. So when Rebecca describes the way that church has always been done, one of my first thoughts was when I talk with people, many of them have negative church experiences. They come from situations in their past where they've seen an unhealthy church dynamic. They, they know that churches fight, that churches are arguing with each other, that Christians are hypocrites. So both of those really seem to expose a problem that we have today in our culture and probably has existed from the beginning of the church is that there are those with a not integrated faith and so there's hypocrisy or there's those who are not living according to the bible and so there's fighting and there's a lack of unity and those kinds of things and so um you know when i think of the what is church health peace um i think that scott and rebecca answered the question you know accurately um i like to just think about uh it is so critical that we offer another way of doing biblical community. 
that is very different than maybe what a lot of people have experienced, which is probably more not healthy than healthy. Explain that a little bit further, like another way compared to what? Well, I mean, again, I think it's just a lot of people are put off by the church. And, let, and you know, it's not even just the fact that they were at a church and there was a fight and they know the people who left over this or over that, but they also know of churches that are highly politically driven. And I don't mean politics in terms of Republican and Democrat, but, um, you know, there's such and such a family and they've always been here and they always get what they want. And so there's a lot of churches um, in our in our uh you know, in our in our past, in our in our thinking, maybe even in our town, I can't think of one right now that's kind of run like that, but I'm sure there are. And so they've got all these experiences. And so when they walk in, I I, I mean, I would, wouldn't you say, guys, that there really is a sense of uh, kind of like a skepticism that this is one more of those churches where, and I'll to be honest with you, I think a lot of pastors have caused this problem. So it's not just there's this family that's been around for a long time. It's also there's a pastor that's been around for a long time, and they always get their way. And so it's that kind of um, uh, culture uh, that exists within the church that creates a lot of doubt and a lot of skepticism and a lot of frustration. And therefore, people are having a hard time wanting to be a part of a community like that. So, Yeah, I'm thinking of individuals that I know that would come in with baggage about church, anything from abuse to um, a church that, that all they talked about was money, at least that's their perception, or a church that was all about numbers. I've heard people say those kinds of things. or um, or even, even a yeah, you know, I'm I'm not really here to connect. I'm just here to, I just want to study the Bible, you know. And so, you just you think about all the baggage that people come, all the the perceptions of church health and church, well, ch- just church in general that people walk in with, and it really can become a kind of a a mixed bag of of okay, what do you what do you think you're getting when you walk in, and and then. Are we faithful to provide what we, what we believe God is calling us to provide and what we believe you need? Um, but yeah, there is so much, there are so much, so many different ways in which people view church and what it's supposed to be and what um, I'm, it, church is supposed to provide me friends. It's supposed to provide me this and that. And, and um, so people's expectations are huge. Yeah. So just to, 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 recap we've we've talked about that church health has something to do with uh, the ability to think through something and then have that affect our lives we would call that um uh, our orthodoxy should affect our orthopraxy so we have that and we have uh like you said rebecca that the bible has quite a bit to bear on whether or not a church is truly healthy and then finally we've discussed that um, there's so every week we have so many people in this building that just have a a large spectrum uh, uh, in terms of their own personal experience with church and whether that's from a toxic situation or you know coming from a really good situation it can be uh, a very very difficult for people to to transition into a new context when they have found something elsewhere that they loved and they're, they're they might be looking to find something that can reproduce what they enjoyed elsewhere. Well, we deal with that actually quite a bit. I mean, there's just been a number of people, and they're not just college students, but they have been really involved at Sunnybrook, and they say, hey, I'm moving to um, I'm moving to Edmond, or I'm moving to uh, you know somewhere else, I'm moving to Sioux City, Iowa, and I'm really trying to figure out uh, where I can find a church. That's, and they always say this, right? I want a church like Sunnybrook. And, um, and then we try to catch up with them a little while later and find out whether or not that happened. And uh, they're looking for the experience that they came from, whether you know whether it's good, bad, or indifferent. Um, they're definitely wanting to recreate that. 
And so, you know, it's, it's, I think it's just important for us to realize everybody is coming into the situation kind of from their context, either trying to get away from something or to try to recreate something. And uh, that's just that's the way people are. Yeah. So there are three uh, major areas. These are not the only areas, but these are three major areas where I have felt that um, church health can be um, affected to a large degree, and these are places where we can measure the health or unhealth of a church. And so I want to throw this first one to you, Jim, and then we'll let Scott and Rebecca uh, chime in where they feel necessary. What about a church's preaching, teaching, and doctrine um, bears weight on the health of a church? Well, I mean, I think that uh, as, as much as we might believe that um, it might be whether or not a church is culturally relevant and those kinds of things, is that the number one thing that people are looking for and striving after? Is it a healthy um, children's ministry or youth program? Um, statistically, still one of the number one thing that people are looking for uh, in most traditional, I would say, conventional evangelical churches, they're still looking for the Bible to be taught to their kids and to themselves as they're uh, dealing with um, sermons. And so I think that um, obviously if a church is going to be healthy, we can't measure it in terms of whether or not it's growing numerically. Uh, I think that those of us that understand the Bible at any degree quickly pick up, well, there's lots of different organizations that can grow numerically and can do so by telling people what they want to hear. The Bible even warns about people um, chasing after tell me what I want to hear. Tell me what I want to hear. Tell me what I want to hear. And the majority of people that I meet, by far and away, the majority of people I, I meet believe that the primary objective of the church is to follow the Bible and to follow God the way the Bible describes it. And therefore, that's, I think, one of the best ways for us to gauge health is that whether or not we are clearly and accurately, maybe more accurately than clearly, accurately and clearly preaching the truth that we see about God and about Jesus and about salvation that comes from the scriptures. So that would be the primary thing. Um, and what's interesting is, is that even though they are, a lot of people are looking for that, whenever um, I think people just walk in, they're interested in other types of things. Is this a friendly church? Um, do they or do they not have the music that I want? Or do they, do they not have the programming that my kids are going to want? But I think the primary way that we need to look at church health goes back to, um, as Rebecca was describing, a clear understanding of the Bible, and are they teaching it? Scott, Rebecca, anything to add to that? Um, sure. I mean, I think there is both the right expectations about what people are looking for and then some of the wrong ones, and, and you know, you, you described that. I mean, and so we with our college students, every, every fall we, we kind of deal with this. We, we'll have a rush of students that come in and are looking for, and, and we talk about, we try and talk about, listen, we understand the, the first instinct is to see, do I like the preaching and is the music cool? Um, and so that, that's what a lot of times the students are looking for, and we go, okay, yeah, that's, I, I get that. We get that connection that you want to feel towards that, and um, we, we, want, we want to encourage them to look for other things. We you know, want to say, don't, don't see it as church shopping, but visiting families that um, you know, and those kinds of things. See, is is this a church that teaches the Bible, that, that preaches the gospel? Is this a church that lives out what they believe? Is this a church that provides opportunities for you to serve? Is this a church where you have opportunities to connect um, and grow? And so, you know, all those things, it's not just the, the, the go-to is the preaching is creative and effective, and I like the music. Um, 
that seems to be kind of a, yeah. the most popular yep. thing to look for. Um, and it's, it's hard to break that when, when that's the immediate thing that they connect with. And we help, we try to encourage them to look for more. And, um, but. Well, to kind of add to what Jim was saying, I just, I think that it's so important that what we teach is centered on the gospel because if it becomes about other issues as far as like hot topics or whether it's tradition or popular opinion, like maybe at first it won't seem like a big deal. We might not see that big of a difference in the people, but over time, um, people will slowly, you know, I think drift away and get away from what really the gospel is all about. Okay. Just an example. So just yesterday I was eating lunch with a family member of mine and she was just telling me about how she was so, so upset because at church they didn't sing any songs about America on Sunday. And in, in the same time, she was also telling me that there's lots of people leaving the church for various reasons. And it concerned me, you know, because her main thing that she wasn't concerned about was the gospel and why these people are leaving and not being connected to the church, but because they weren't singing songs about America. So I just think, you know, obviously there's going to be different Within the church, there's going to be different opinions and people are going to struggle with this on different levels. But the a way to really gauge it is when the congregation as a whole is really concerned about, you know, what they want to hear, what you're talking about, their passions and and just really what makes them feel good or whatever versus the gospel. And it, let me let me back up and say uh, I agree with that. So we, we both kind of hit on from the the church attender perspective. Let's let me let me turn to the church leadership perspective because I was on staff at a church that was really focused on uh, being creative and and having cool worship. It was let's say attractional would be the would be the, the and by attractional you mean um, wanting to wanting to make um, church attractive so that non church people would want to come to it, um, which are it's a good thing. Uh, wanting to make wanting to make the Bible relevant and attractive so that people would want to read it, which is a good thing. And so, and they don't think they're selling out, and maybe they're not. Like it's no, not you're not making any evaluative no. judgment at all. You're no, no, saying no, no, no. that the primary way that they're yes. going at this is to yes. The focus yeah. is how do we get how do we how do we make church something that. The average guy that doesn't go to church would want to come to. Yeah, and it's not for creativity's sake, right? I mean, they truly are using creativity to yes. bring people to Jesus. Is, is, that's that's the that's the model, right? Absolutely. Yeah. And and so being on staff there for five years, and my role was in, focused on discipleship. What I, the, the problem that I kept having and running into was they're not really interested in that. And so it's it's a little bit of this: what we win them with is what we keep them with. You know, and so if we win, what what we win them with to come here, um, is is the thing that's motivating them to come here, and and so there is, and I hate to say this because I, I I really think there's different ways to do church, and I don't think there's one way, and I think you pick your problems whichever side you go. But, yep, that's a good point. But there is there is I think there's a way that feeds a consumerism, and and church leaders I think need to really. We, we do. We need to think through that stuff. Um, well, and I'll tell you what's interesting is that when we think about consumerism, what you're describing, Scott, is real popular today um, um, and goes back even probably further, but I know it in the 80s and in the 90s in terms of worship styles and those things. 
But there was a counter to that, actually, which was, no, we're not going to give in to these new cultural trends. We're going to sing songs about America, and we're going to, we're going to have a choir no matter what, and they're gonna, we're going to have those choir chairs behind the pulpit, and you know, we're not going to change, and uh, we're, going to, we're going to keep church church. And so it literally becomes we're just going to attract a different kind of people. Um, so it's that concept of church marketing that is either Andy Stanley focused on how do we make church, um, and I love his heart, how do I make church um, desirable for the wife whose husband doesn't want to come to church, and I'm going to surprise him that when he shows up, he had a better experience than he thought he was going to have. And then another church might come along and say, no, I want to make sure that Rebecca's friend or whoever uh, that wants to hear those particular songs or is used to that kind of tradition, that she's going to want to stay here. Um, and I see, I see both of them. I get the temptation to both of them. Um, I don't know uh, that even though numbers may follow that, what we're describing here is that that probably, well, we're not saying it it means not healthy, but it doesn't necessarily mean healthy. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. what that's what we're critiquing. We, we we deal with this at Sunnybrook on a very um, micro level every single year at a specific time of the year when it comes to Easter. And we're planning our Easter service, and we know we're going to have more unbelievers in the room or more non-church people in the room than, than normal. And, and every year as we're planning that service, we're wrestling with this thing. To go back to your, your phrase, what we win them with is what we win them to. You know, we say, do we want to do something incredible and attractional and out of the ordinary because we have so many more people in the room? And then Drew Moss always likes to, to, yeah. to tell us to slow down because... What if we do win them and they come back the next week and we've we've sold them something that's not us and we've gone back to who we actually are and they say, oh, well, I feel deceived yeah. in some way. Yeah. And that's uh, I think I think that's uh, again, high school girls in prom. Yeah. What? <laughs> you never look like that. <laughs> Sorry. And boys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, okay. my son wears a tux like two days out of his life. <laughs> Very good. Um, let's move on to our next, and, and we've, we've already brushed up against it, but I want to move on to our next section here, and I'll start with you, Scott. One of the other big areas where we can see the, the health of a church either increase or decline is at the leadership level, both in the, the model of uh, the leadership model at a church and the culture behind that leadership. So you share with us a little bit about how that can affect a church. <clears throat> I have a lot to say about this. Um, I have to figure out what to say, what not to say. Um, That's so, okay. Rebecca just threw a family member under the bus. Well, so, okay. and I'm gonna—I I don't I have no idea who it is. I really don't. But send the I'm gonna, to I'm gonna send the link. Yeah. When well, we find out, we'll, we'll, we'll add a note to the show. I um, hope it doesn't get edited. So, <laughs> she so, is pink. So, That's why we love her. I will say, um, I, you know, I had been on staff at at uh, two other churches. Um, before coming here, um, one was a church four or five thousand when I started. Uh, when I was on, when I came on staff, and then uh, that church planted a new church. And so, a couple years after they had planted, year and a half, I think, I went to be with that new church. And then, um, the church I left, we called the mother church. They were around eight thousand, and then the church I went to, they were around four or five hundred. And then, was there for five years. So I was at one, at one for five, and the next one for five. So um, both large church and then smaller, but saw it grow. Um, and, and, you know, staff, staff culture, staff got along well, loved each other, l- still loved those guys, still loved 
um, my time with them, but never experienced the kind of staff leadership culture that I had when, until coming here. And um, and so, you know, if I can if I can speak more as an outsider, which I felt like I was able to the fir- for the first few years here, but now it's like I don't know if I can speak as an outsider. You're very, actually very in well. two pictorial directories, so you're no longer yeah, an outsider. Yeah, no longer an outsider. <laughs> Um, but I would say the first couple of years here, I would talk to friends back there. I'd say, you know, I've never seen a leadership as healthy as I see here from eldership to the leadership and staff and, and how that works and how they run and how they work. And, and a lot of it comes down to these three words that you've, that you've brought in from Ozark. Yeah, you know, from Ozark. Um, this grace, trust, and freedom. Um, and so I've seen, so here's how, here's how I've seen, I've seen, I've seen how, I'll get to the grace, trust, and freedom, but. The impact that a, the staff culture has on the church is the church knows those people love to hang out together. Those people love to work together. Those people don't want to leave here. You know, it's that kind of stuff that I think that's contagious. I, you know, it, just from a practical level, if the church members know that our staff loves each other, loves to hang out together. We hang out all the time together. We have fun together, maybe too much. Uh, <laughs> we, we do lots together, and we love it. And... Um, Maybe not all equally, but but we love it, and and so it, there's a sense of like it's almost it, to me. I picture it like this: my my kids know that I love my wife, and she loves me, and there's security in that. They may see us argue, but they know at the end of the day that sh- we're best friends, and we're not going anywhere, and they find comfort in that. And I and I wonder if there's something to that with the church people looking at the staff, you know. Um, so th- back to this grace, trust, and fr- freedom thing. Um, what I experienced was, I remember uh, them telling me when I came on staff at the second church, um, man, we, we're going to trust you to, to run this and take this and, and go with it. And there was a lot of trust and a lot of freedom to do what I wanted, whatever I wanted to do, which was great. Um, but there's a part that they, they trusted me, and I realized about four and a half years in, um, there's a fine line between trust and neglect. Yeah. And so... There was there was a lot of trust. There was just no help, no collaboration, no, no accountability, no accountability, no drive. There was accountability in terms of how's it going. Here's how we're going to how, how can we measure your your whatever. Okay, let's figure that out. But there was no like we're in this together. We were all just too busy and trying to do our own thing, and we were silos in a lot of ways. Um, so this what I've experienced with this grace, trust, and freedom thing has been huge in that both. I trust the leadership, and 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 they trust me, and I trust the lead. I trust that um, there's grace given. I trust that they're gonna, you know, Jim's gonna come to me, and if I'm taking advantage of, if I'm not in the office enough, if, if because because apparently, supposedly, I'm working, but I'm but stuff isn't getting done. I trust that someone's gonna say something to me. I trust that. They have my best interest. I trust that they know they they have actually they desire the best interest of the kingdom first, even before my own personal whatever. And so those are kinds of things that I trust, and and that is huge. And um and so, what I that's what I've experienced is this grace, trust, and freedom, that we don't have. You know, and I would say even even from maybe business owners or or managers or those in the in the business world there is some of this stuff you have to mandate and, you know, the, the bigger their company gets, the more you have to have some sort of something in place to, to say, okay, yes, you need to have do this and you need to do this. And if you're not doing that, then we have grounds to fire you. Um, we, we talk about, we, we've, 
you know, talk about with our college leaders and uh, students um, that we want the same kind of culture and, and that we're not going to tell them you have to be at this, this, and this, and we're going to take attendance. So no one has ever said to me, Scott, you have to have this many hours in the office and you have to have this many hours out of the office and you have to do, it's like, hey, you know what needs to be done and we're going to help, we're going to do this together. There's a trust that, I, that I'm doing my job, but there's also, I know I can call on Jim or Brian or Steve or anybody and say, I need help with this. Let's figure this out together. There's collaboration. And um, that has breeded so much for me, uh, you know, to feel good about, to walk into a college ministry, which I've never done before, and go, okay, I'm freaked out. That first time, that first Sunday, there's four, four, five hundred college students, and you're like, Jim texts me, hey, those are all yours. And I'm going, <laughs> what? <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing here. Um, He's an encourager. Just, yep. <laughs> yep. Don't Jim blow Barnabas it. I think it, I think it was, those are yours. Oh don't blow it. I think that was. Yep, those, yep. Don't blow it. Says that it. before I preach every single and time. It really helps. It. Calm yeah. the nerves. So, you know, but I knew, I knew that we were going to figure this out together. It wasn't going to be me trying to figure this out. And that collaboration was huge for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've experienced something a lot, a, a lot along the same lines as you, where here you find that um, the expectations are so high that you will feel pushed, but knowing that everyone, it, it, there's, there's a safety net there too, that people have your best interests at heart. And so you'll, you're almost uh, stressed, but in a good way. And then you'll turn around and say, wow, I came a lot further than I thought I could because I have people that do care for me and do care for the advancement of the kingdom that are pushing me because they might see something that, that I can't yet. And so, well, and one of the, one of the things I'm always, you know, I'm always very aware of the fact that we do love each other and we love hanging out. Um, but I, when I read the gospels and I read just how much Paul had this open life to people and he shared his whole life. I love the fact that, um, people like, um, Brady, uh, you know, who helps take pictures when we do this kind of thing, um, that he's a part of that. You know, when I hear about you, the stuff that you guys are doing with him or with some somebody else, I mean, I just love the fact that it's, this isn't, I hope it's not. And if it is, then we need to repent and change. If it's ever this closed click, if it's ever this closed group, I mean, I love the fact that we try to hire people who are our leaders here in the church. And so when somebody's really getting involved in ministry, there really is an open door. We invite people to Catalyst. We do a lot of that because um, we feed off of them as well. I mean, one of the best compliments I think I've dealt with in terms of a leadership, you know, and you talked about that, Scott, that we love hanging around together, is for a number of years we went to Catalyst. We drove out to or flew out to Atlanta. Uh, we were part of that. We invited a number of different people to be a part of that. And so I don't know the numbers, but there was a lot of people that came out and traveled with us and had a really good time with us. And they felt like they were on staff. Like it, it wasn't them over there and us over here. There really was this camaraderie. So it's not just elders and it's not just staff. It's not silos within ministry. The youth people are over here. The college people are over here. There's more of a brotherhood. It's more of a family. And I, and to me, that's a sign. That's something we need to work towards. That's something that we need to be um, uh, very aware of. Uh, how do we keep the family type atmosphere, that relational type component working. And, you know, we're not a church of 2,000, 3,000. It, it is going to be tougher to pull that off. Um, but the truth is, uh, I, I think we would even cross those roads or those those problems, those struggles when we get there. How do we fight to make sure that everybody feels connected and involved um, and not just on staff? I would, I would take no joy if everybody looked envious at us and thought, wow, I wish I could have a part of that, but boy, they would never let me in. 
Um, and if that, if that is, I guarantee you though, there'll be people who will listen to this and say they don't know themselves. I promise you. There'll be people that kind of wish they could be a part of it. And I, I would tell you that to the bottom of our hearts, we really would open up our lives. I mean, there's just no way we would ever close that off because that would just not bring glory to Jesus. Anything to add, Rebecca? Nope. Okay. Well, then we will start with you for our uh, third way where we can discern the health of a local church body. And that is through the um, the particular philosophy that that church has regarding discipleship. And you work you work very closely with junior high and high school girls in this in this specific area. So uh, share with us a little bit of your heart in terms of why our understanding of what discipleship is and how what we're specifically called to be doing, how that can affect the health of a church. I think it goes back to that word consumers or consumerism. When I was in college, I was taking a class called Ephesians, and my teacher was talking about Ephesians 4, where um, the way a person becomes mature in their faith is by having a ministry of their own. And only when that happens can they grow and the church become, like, you know, full in Christ. And so, the you know, when you ask me that, the thing I think about is if, if people are, oh, I'm screwing this up, sorry. Can we cut that? Part? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Does that I kind of hope. I kind of hope we don't know. <laughs> Does that make sense? Do you, you know what you, I'm saying? You had me. I don't know why you said you're screwing it up. Yeah. Oh, I felt like I was screwing that. No. Up. Okay. <laughs> I'll just start over. With oh, I hope we don't edit this. Oh my gosh. Please do please, not edit this. Please Steve. edit this. I think we had you sign a waiver when you started working here that there would be can no. Can you ed- rephrase the question so I can hear it again? Sorry. <laughs> I just want to make sure I'm like answering we were like that question. Five minutes down the road. Now you want the I question thought again. You had it great. I'm not kidding. <laughs> I would tell you, I did have a joke in the middle where I was going to say, wow, Ephesians. I think there's a Bible book by that name. <laughs> and I refrained. Yeah. First time in my life. Until now, notice he still got it out. <laughs> <laughs> notice my patience for three minutes. Oh the question was the question okay. was this. How does the philosophy that the church has regarding its its discipleship, how does that affect the health or unhealth of a church? Yeah. Okay. I think where that plays out is when people are making disciples, it is those people that they're investing in have a ministry of their own. I think when we're looking at a church to see the health of it, it's so important that everyone or majority of the people are involved in ministry of their own. Um, When I was in college, I was taking a class over the book of Ephesians, and my professor was talking about Ephesians 4, about how we've all been given these different gifts, and the ways that we become mature in Christ is by having ministries of our own, not just fulfilling certain jobs within the church, like handing out bulletins or opening the door, but really like what within your life, and I know you mentioned Brady but the person I think of is his wife, Ashley, just being a teacher at the school. And she wasn't just a teacher, but she actually, so many students talk to me about, I want to meet with Ashley. I want to go to lunch with her and, and her pouring into them or them having people live with them. And I just think that 
a way that we can discern whether people or whether a church is healthy is if their people are involved in ministry. Yeah. And that goes back to what Scott described in terms of the integrated faith, right? Rebecca just hit on a huge thing. So we come along, Ephesians 4, great text, and it describes this maturity piece that's a part of it. Um, Scott began this whole conversation by saying it's about having an integrated faith. Um, you know, the one thing in, in, in one of our outtakes, you know, Rebecca used a great word she should have used again, which is the consumerism piece. Uh, like d- discipleship kind of cuts against the consumer mentality. Um, uh, how do I find a church or how do I even grow out of it? I've been, a, I mean, I wouldn't even say I'm just, I have been a consumer. I am a consumer, Right. I'm, I'm a consumer. I shop on Woot. Um, I have every product. That is an understatement. <laughs> exactly. Um, and you are one of the greatest recipients of my Wootness. Yes, I am. Um, but, you know, when we, when we think about it, so I am a consumer, and, and I'm even a consumer of religious products. I mean, um, it just so happens that I, that I eat well right now at the consumer table with Matt Chandler and John Piper. So to try to say that somehow that's still not affecting me is just false. And so I really like the idea um, that Rebecca was describing there, that what discipleship does as it causes people or as people are led to mature, to be involved in ministry on their own, not just fulfilling somebody else's role for them, um, that what you're actually talking about, you know, we say health, but it's not just health. What we're really talking about and why the Ephesians 4 text matters so much is because it's maturity. See, we're not just saying a healthy two-year-old we're saying a healthy person who is growing up. And so there really is. There's a health of a two-year-old. There's a health of a 12-year-old. There's a health of an 18-year-old. And then there's a health of a fully functioning adult. And so when we talk about church health, it's not just a matter of, hey, nobody's fighting. And it's not just a matter of, hey, we're, we're kind of getting the gospel right. It's um, going back to what uh, Eugene Peterson titled a book after. And the book was okay, but I thought the title was awesome. It's just a long obedience in the same direction. And we use that phrase a lot around here because it's not about just the initial stages. It's not about just the initial steps. It's about making sure that we're, you know, headed in the right direction for a very, very long time. And therefore, it's not just health, but it's living well to the end and to the point of dying well, so sure. to speak. And I think that's I think that can be health, right? Yeah. And at the beginning, Scott, you said that one of the the things that we would say makes a church healthy is whether or not they are living up to um, their purpose or their mission. And and I think the the discipleship that takes place at a, at a particular church is a great way to discern whether or not that's actually taking place. Like, are you a are you a church that seeks to to fulfill your role in as you see it in the Great Commission? Well, then. Let's see how people are growing and maturing and coming to know Christ and then thriving in that and being transformed by the Spirit, because that can tell us whether or not um, there's actual God-given success in that particular context. I would also say, I mean, I don't know if we're—I don't don't know—I'm afraid we're not going to get to this, but whenever I teach um, away from Sunnybrook and I get to brag on Sunnybrook because I love—I love her— I love the people. I love the elders. I, I'm just so grateful for the staff and to be a part of it is just, it has been the greatest ministry. And Andrew and I have only had great ministries, but it is the greatest ministry I've ever had. Um, not one to usually cry, but I can get pretty emotional about this topic. Um, and when I talk about her for a while, I, I always stop and I say, now listen, everybody, just let me tell you, um, she's not perfect. 
Um, there's so many other issues. I, I mean, I mean, I'm 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 one of the ministers here, and so I bring all of my baggage to the problem. I bring all of my selfishness, and I bring all of what I'm trying to work through as well. So even when we're talking about health, it's not about um, it's not about perfect health. It's not about that there aren't any problems or the Holy Spirit is only blessing us. You know, I would say we're unbelievably healthy because we're unbelievably honest about where our sins are. Um, and I've seen some amazing confession take place um, behind, uh, well, I don't even know if we want to say it's behind, because I think we even share it with other people. We tell about struggles that we've had in our families or struggles that we're having personally. And so it's not just health, everything is going great. It's health that even when we're sick, we know how to find the doctor, and we know how to take our medicine right, and we know how to get some sleep, and we know how to take a break, and we know how to do those things. And so, um, like I said, when I'm teaching at the college, I always say, listen, you're going to think after a few moments that the church I'm at is like this perfect church, and it's how we actually tricked Rebecca into being a part of who we are. Um, and I <laughs> bragged on us, didn't I? And I and I warned you guys. I said, listen, I'm going to talk about Sunnybrook in a way, and you're going to think, wow, that's the greatest church in the world. And I truly think it is. Okay. But there's lots of stuff that we are still working through. There's so much more growing up that we can be and so much more when Jesus is your goal, right? Yeah. It's always way up You're, there. The, and so the finite beings chasing the infinite. Yes. Yeah. And, and I think it's important for us to realize that is that we're not here saying, wow, you know, you guys are so lucky to have us as your pastors. It's no, we're, we're blessed to be a part of a church that has a body that are as uh, that are as uh, generous and as kind and as forgiving and as patient as they are, and our elders are are truly they're um, well, you know what? They're Terry and they're they're uh, I know some of the other ones, Tom <laughs> and <laughs> Alan and Alan and Jim. I mean, I don't want to okay, and yeah. the other guys that I love so much, and I promise I know your names. Um, but I mean, it's but they're them, right? Yeah. They're not just these generic perfect people. Yep. Yep. They're them. And I love that. I love the fact that I could look at a young girl who was um, sitting at the back of a, a small groups class and just play around with the idea that someday she'd come on and she'd be discipling our people. And then as we're walking out, she kind of says, hey, I mean, if you're serious, I think I may want to take you up on that. And next thing you know, she's she's been here for a year and she's doing some amazing work um, in our ministry. Um, and she's made us healthier Yeah, about yeah. that, you know? And she's yeah. she's just a rookie. <laughs> Yeah, she just she just does a good job. But but she you know she she I when she came and began ministering in the junior high and high school context and even in the young adult context with a small group uh, with Morgan, it began to expose in us a need to do this in other areas. Yeah. It's like we yep. saw we all of a sudden saw health that we could have elsewhere. Yep. How have we not been? How have we not been bringing somebody like this? in for our junior high, high school girls and Diane with others. And how have we not been doing this? And and if we would have taken this back two years ago, we would have said, yeah, we're healthy. We're yep. meeting the yep. needs. And then we find out, wow, we've been dropping yeah. the ball. It's yeah. kind of like, it's kind of like stage lights in the sanctuary. You don't know how good they are <laughs> until you actually see them. Yeah. And, oh my goodness. I can't believe what we were missing, but I wasn't, I couldn't see what we were missing because yep. I'd never seen the good stuff. And then the Rebecca, the Rebecca light just shone oh. in the auditorium. We're yep. like, wow, She's look at, look at Rebecca. Difference. Thousand She's watts. a difference maker. She's a difference maker. <laughs> difference maker. She is. That's right. Um, well, Jim, you already started. Yeah. <laughs> she is blushing again. Yeah, exactly. Um, for the fourth time. Um, 
you have already started down this road, but now that we've discussed health from a few perspectives, preaching, um, um, leadership, and then discipleship, are there any other areas where we might want to discuss um, how to measure church health? And then after that, I'd like to move into, a, a as we wrap up, an honest evaluation of Sunnybrook and where we're doing well and where we need to do better. Yeah, I mean, I'll just, because I know we'll talk about it the last one, so I'll say this real quick. Um, you know, we talk individually and we have to talk also corporately about how we listen and respond to the Holy Spirit. And I really think that's the sign of health. Um, the sign of health is not um, measured any other way than a responsiveness to God and a responsiveness to his spirit. Um, and that's the, the the beauty of the fact that he can take pretty messed up people and even pretty immature people, and he can then groom them into the men and the women that he desires them. So it's not about having a certain degree of knowledge. It's about a receptivity and a responsiveness to the Holy Spirit. So if you asked me why I believe we're so healthy, it really would cut down that line the repent and believing aspects of our leadership particularly, but our congregation as well. Um, I mean, I'm just amazed at the number of people who talk to me regularly about a responsiveness to the Holy Spirit. And so if you said, hey, how, why, why do you think you're so healthy? Um, and it, it's, it's exactly that. The number of men I'm meeting with and the number of people I'm talking to that are saying, I'm beginning to take orange seriously as I disciple my kids, or I'm beginning to take my, my responsibilities as the leader of my home seriously, and I'm beginning to do that. The number of people like yourself, Ryan, who thought you were going in one direction, God gets a hold of your heart, and Sunnybrook happened to be the place in which that happened, and it was your responsiveness to the Holy Spirit. Um, and I would even say when I, you know, I... I when I found out that we would have an opening in our college ministry, scared my wife to death because I, I sit up in bed um, in the middle of the night. This is like, I mean, it's almost day one looking for a college Is this when you thought you were blind? No, that's, that's a, a different, different story. story but <laughs> was it when your thumb was hurting? Yeah. <laughs> I pop up out of bed. Don't listen to them, except when they're preaching. Um, I pop out of bed, and I just said to Andrea, um, Scott Irwin. I forgot your name for a second. Scott Irwin. Yep. And she said, what? And I said, I think he, she goes, I, he doesn't even doing college ministry. I said, but he has a heart for leading. And I began to kind of trace through what I thought Scott had and what I thought Scott would be a part of. And then I just had to pray that he would respond because I knew the Holy Spirit wanted him here. And so I had to just pray that he would respond to that. And I think that becomes another sign of church health, that, that there are very gifted and capable people. And I could list everybody on staff. You know, right now I'm looking at Rebecca and um, Scott and Steve and Brady and you, but um, when I think about when I think about that responsiveness, that to me is is what matters the most because from that, um, God will will do great things. Mm -hmm. Rebecca, in your short time here, has it been a year? A year on Sunday. Oh, yep. We need to get her a cake. In your short time here, don't what, assume I don't have one. Uh, okay. Well, there we go. You've been here for almost a year now. What um, what about Sunnybrook have you seen is is a healthy, or is an area in which we we need to uh, pursue a greater degree of health? I mean, even just your position, you've exposed to us uh, a need to shore up um, discipleship, particularly on the on the uh, the women's side. So, what what else have you seen that you can share with us? I mean, really, it's what. Jim just talked about has been the biggest thing for me is I'll find myself, this is something I've been learning from the staff is I'll, even today I was talking to Paul Weiss about something I want to do with the junior high girls. And he's like, well, you should just pray and, and ask God what he wants to do. And I was thinking, oh, yeah, why did I not even 
like do that first, you know? (laughs) So just like the fact that really every single thing I feel like that I've learned being here at Sunnybrook is bringing me back to what God's word says, not just what I, I have learned my whole life, whether that's just tradition or, um, I don't know, but I just bringing it back to God's word has been so huge for me and, and it's changed the way that I've led and helped other people too. And Rebecca grew up in the church with a dad who's led a very, you know, I'd say a very healthy ministry. And so it's, yeah. it's interesting to, I love hearing, not that we've created new things, but I love the fact that we've kind of resonated with the more profound and stable things. Scott, evaluate us. Okay, where do I start? Um, <laughs> I will say pulling out a list. <laughs> I will say, um, you know, one of the things just just to kind of say, you you even said it. We're not perfect. Just to kind of say, here's where you know, here's an area where we admittedly know this is an area we constantly need to grow in and challenge ourselves. And that that would be missional, maybe maybe not missional living, but evangelistically. And how do we, how do we get more into the community? How do we, and and we, and you know, our philosophy isn't use Sunday morning to evangelize. Our philosophy is we evangelize through discipleship, and that's that's our that's the way we do this. And so that that makes it maybe more challenging, but I would say we, we have a tendency to um, lean towards the educational side of things, to lean towards the teaching theology. This would be my my wife. She's not going to listen to this anyway. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> let's be honest. For this, this reason, is a safe place she's for not going to listen to this. But she would say, she was sitting in the class that we're teaching on Sunday. Here's another theology class that I'm sitting in for an hour and hearing people lecture on theology, you know? And... <clears throat> That just sounds like candy to me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Because for most all of our staff, that is like candy. Yeah, no, you're right. And so the tendency is to lean towards that and then to neglect other things, you know. And and it, it is pick your problems. But but I would say that's where we, we aren't as healthy as we'd like to be is, is how do we um, integrate that more and do more missional living, more um, outreach-oriented type things if you if you will um so we we can say that's that's probably typical of us so i don't know if that if i evaluate i just kind of brought up one area where we're not strong it is helpful well we are brushing up against the end of our time is there anything else you guys would like to add before we shut this thing down you know i think the one thing that uh it might be good for us to i I was really I, i love hearing i love evaluation and i even love critical evaluation um, that's why I, whenever people ask me how the church is doing, I always say really well, not very good, you know, and it's, it, it is always both. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really depends on who you are and depends on your expectation. It depends on so many different things. Whereas overall, I would say there's just so many great things that are happening, but, um, it probably would mean we need to have another podcast sometime and maybe, maybe talk more honestly, just about some things that we, like you just described, Scott, and, and you know, this, every every one of us has our beef, right? Every one of us has our. I don't think we're doing this right, right? I think we're, uh, you know, emphasizing this too much. And I think a little bit about when I first came here. You know, this church was going through a pretty ugly time. We haven't even mentioned that at all, but it was going through a really, really difficult time. And interestingly enough, that's why I felt led to be here. Was if this church had been like chugging along and doing great and. One, you know, one great successful ministry to another, but no, I was going through a pretty difficult transition when I felt God saying, yeah, I want you to be a part of that. So it, it, it drew me in 
And I remember meeting with the elders. I remember kind of describing the pick your poison kind of scenario. Hey, guys, like this is who I am. This is the way God has wired me. These are the, the, the interests that, that God has put on my heart and the way that he wants me to do ministry. Um, and then what's interesting is, is that from the staff that we already had, we really, really shared that. And then as more began to become a part of us, we really did share that same discipleship bent. Um, but I love hearing Scott or Drew or you or Steve or whoever, some of our newer people or even our, even our new leaders or new people that are joining our one-on-one class that are seeing some of the emphasis run too hard or redlined. And it's just, it's good for us to just stop and say, hey, you know what? We're not done yet. That's the hopeful, the hopeful part that I have is we're not done yet. And so um, for those times where we have an emphasis run too far, it's just good to believe, well, hey, good news is the story's not over. Thank you for your time, guys, and we will have another podcast soon.